0: I'm really excited this week to introduce you to Miranda Dahan and her work with Petwell Navigation. Her mission is to make pet ownership less stressful by recognizing the best ways that we can prepare to take care of our pets as we start out and throughout our relationship with our animals so that we can be prepared and we don't need to run into stressful situations so that our relationship can be truly as beneficial, as powerful, and is actually relieving of stress and other issues as it has the potential to be. I know you're gonna love this episode, so enjoy. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I'm so happy to have you with me this week for my conversation with Miranda DeHaan. Miranda is an animal health technologist, speaker, author of light at the end of the funnel volume two and soon to be podcaster, And Miranda is a pet safety expert at Petwell navigation. Miranda grew up with a cat named Miss Piggy who helped her through an emotional time in her life. She didn't have anyone in her life that she could talk with or help her with processing her feelings and Miss Piggy listened and gave unconditional support and Miranda's relationship with her pet led her to want to help others. First through becoming an animal health technologist and now through sharing her knowledge to help other pet lovers have the best relationship they can with their furry family members. Pet Well Navigation's mission is to reach as many pet parents as possible to deepen their relationships with their furry loved ones, enhance their knowledge and awareness, discover the actions they can take to keep their animal companions as safe as possible, and help pet parents feel more empowered in making decisions so their pets can be the happiest, healthiest, versions of themselves. Miranda, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because I'm a farm girl and I grew up with animals. And so I think it's such an important topic to help people recognize how they can support their pets. We tend to take for granted that pets just bring us happiness, but it's really a two-way street. Yes, that's that's very
1: true. I think a lot of people just don't realize the benefits that can go both
0: ways for both the pets as well as helping themselves. Yes, I think it's so important. So aside from Miss Piggy, the infamous and always the best very first pet influence, have you always had pets in your life from that point forward? I actually haven't. (laughs) and I know that surprises probably
1: a lot of people, but the reason I haven't is because my life has not been conducive time-wise to properly take care of a pet. And I felt it was unfair for me to have a pet just for my enjoyment and benefit when I can't um, give it the time that it needs
0: to, to flourish and thrive. I think that's a really great point. I think we're off to a huge start already (laughs) because I agree completely. I think that a lot of people don't recognize when they take on the responsibility of a pet, how much they really owe to support that animal and give them the best life that they can have because pets really need that engagement, that stimulation, the attention, especially when we leave and we're away from the house for work or whatever calls us away. We can make up for that if we can really be invested when we're at home. But if we travel around a lot, if things are going on and really divide our attention, that's really hard on a pet to have that kind of time without that bond with their humans. So I think that's a really important point to start off with is that it's a big commitment, not only to take on a pet and the financial responsibility, but you're also really taking care of another creature that is building a relationship with you and wants to be fulfilled in that.
1: hmm yeah, it's one of the things that I feel a lot of people don't really take the time to think about when they first decide to to get a pet, because there are so many things um, to consider in, in their care. It's what is their energy level like, what size are they going to be, how much time is it going to take to take care of them, what is going to be the cost involved, the, there's all these different things. You know, even how to set up your home so that it's as safe as possible. Because, I mean, you think about it with children, you childproof a home to keep them safe. It's the same thing for pets. Yeah, there's a lot of things to um, to consider. And I think some people can end up feeling really stressed after they get a pet because they end up discovering these things after the fact.
0: So true. And I've told a lot of people, um, I had... A dog, my most recent dog I got when she was one year old from the shelter. This was when I was still living up in Seattle. She Mm -hmm. was a red healer or cattle dog and lab mix, which are very smart dogs. They need a job. (laughs) And so fortunately, through different living arrangements, I tended to have someone around the house. Even if I was out working, she had that kind of stimulation. But Mm -hmm. I was so lucky and grateful that she was a year old. She hadn't come from a difficult situation. So she didn't have issues really that we needed to work through and resolve. She had the basics of training. She was puppy trained. Her energy level was starting to come down a little bit from that rambunctious puppy phase. And those Mm -hmm. are all things that I think people don't really process when they fall in love with an adorable puppy. It's just like an infant, just like you say, they take a lot more time, energy, and focus on the front end. You've got all of that fundamental training. And if you skip that part, you're really setting yourself up for a lifetime of your pet of difficulty to try to track back and retrain and break bad habits and that sort of thing. So Mm
1: -hmm, definitely. And I think too, you know, people look at purebreds, for example, and they kind of look at how they look and they get it based on their appearance without considering what the characteristics are of that particular breed. And like you said, with working dogs, they've got lots of energy. But a mistake people make with that too is that they think, oh, okay, well, I'm a runner or I'm a biker or whatever. I can you know, take them along with me when I go and do these types of activities. But it's more than just the physical exercise that they need. They need that mental stimulation as well, which is why they do well in jobs, because it gives them something to focus on, something to, I don't know, a purpose, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And even with animals that aren't working, dogs, or even cats, and that, they need that enrichment and that stimulation in various levels. So obviously a border collie or a cattle dog or whatever is going to need a huge amount because of their, their type of uh, breed. But even a cat who is maybe not very active still uh, thrives a whole lot better when they have that stimulation and enrichment activities included in their daily lives.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a great point because it's not only energy level, it's that mental acuity that they have, you know, they're all unique. And even beyond stereotypes, German Shepherd dogs or working dogs, you know, poodles are working dogs. I don't think many people think that they are, but they are as well. So it certainly is worth the research if you think you want to get a purebred dog, or even if you come across a dog at a shelter and you can learn a little bit more about what you're bringing into your home. I remember a story of a friend of mine who they brought home an adult dog from the shelter and saw, oh, it's so nice and calm. She's lovely. She'll lay around at our feet and keep us cozy. And they took her to the vet, took care of some health issues, and the dog's energy level came back and they had a Labrador, <laughs> which ultimately worked out beautifully, but it took them a little time for that to level out mm-hmm. so that they could sustain it a little, you know, and get what they thought that they had signed on for.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and another thing too is I think a lot of people don't realize that animals have their own personalities. So even though you have, you know, a whole bunch of border collies, in a general sense, they're alike. But they have their different personalities, and they're going to have different needs based on those personalities. So it can sometimes be challenging, too, with mixed breeds, because you know you you can you can discover certain things certain characteristics about certain specific breeds but when you've got a mixed breed you don't necessarily know specifically especially if it's from a humane society or some place like that what they're actually mixed with so it can be like a toss up of what their characteristics are going to be like so kind of have to decide whether you're willing to work with kind of what comes up you know <laughs> so <laughs> I think, to the rescue shelters and the humane societies can help with that somewhat because they've had them for a little bit of time and have been able to sort of see how they behave and so can give some guidance on that.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. The source, be it, you know, one of the shelters or foster family or that sort of thing, I think they all try to work very hard to kind of get a little bit of a personality profile of the pet. And so it really is very worthwhile to pay attention to that and not Mm -hmm. fall for the looks. (laughs) But consider how this creature is going to be a part of your family for the next 10 years, or if it's a cat, up to 20 years. I mean, pets go through a lot of our life stages with us. So we can't expect everything that comes along, but we have to understand we're bringing somebody else along on the ride with us. Right. And you know, we've decided that we
1: are taking responsibility for another living being. And I, I think Two is like, okay, can you see your life with this animal for the next 10, 15, 20 years? And what happens if certain situations happen? Like maybe you end up having to move into an apartment. Are you going to give up your animal in order to find uh, an apartment that doesn't allow pets? Or are you going to make sure that you find something that allows the pet to to come with you? There's a lot of things to really consider and what your commitment level really is when you decide to get a pet.
0: I agree completely. And I think part of what you were saying there, I'd like to explore a little bit more. You know, when you're thinking about the plans that you want to put in place, what kind of planning or preparations do you suggest people have in mind when it comes to looking long range to take care of their pet? For long
1: range, I, I would say, you know, look at your, your work situation. Does it look fairly stable? in being able to continue taking care of them. Also helping pets to adjust to different situations. Do you think you're going to stay in um, the same home for the next uh, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever? Or, you know, is there a possibility you're going to sell your home or just move someplace? Maybe you might move because of a job or or whatever the situation may be. And this can be really stressful for, for pets because they like routine and they like, Um, familiarity. So anytime those things are suddenly uprooted for them, it can cause behavior issues if you don't know how to to help them with those adjustments. And I think to just also being open-minded to to working with other pet experts. So talking to Humane Society and that, there's people who can give resources to help with different situations. So, you know, if you get into a situation where you've had the pet for a little bit and something comes up and you're thinking, oh, I don't think I can keep my dog or my cat or my rabbit or whatever, for whatever the reason might be, there's usually help out there that can help you work through that. Now, as I said, it's not 100% there are some situations where you can't avoid it. But yeah,
0: that's, yeah, I think that's a really great point, even to the extent, I mean, life changes happen unexpectedly. But if you expect you might start planning for to have a family within the nearer future, that certainly would affect the type of Dog, the energy level, that sort of thing, the type of pet. And just like you say, you know, if if you're in a job where they transfer you every couple of years to a new place, you know, not all rentals accommodate large dogs, but smaller dogs tend to be easier. A lot of places put cats on the no list because they tend to have a bad reputation for rentals, unfortunately. So I think all of that is definitely an important factor. You know, you really have to weigh it just like you do anything else, you know, as you're making long-term choices like that. Do you have an opinion on pet health insurance? Do you think that tends to be a good investment? I think it definitely is helpful
1: when you have these unexpected large costs because it can help you make the decision on being able to maybe get a life-saving surgery or treatment or something like that, whereas without the insurance You may end up having to choose euthanasia, but it is like pretty much with any kind of insurance, you need to weigh the different uh, options out there because some are better than others and some are going to to give you more assistance and um, be more honorable in what they decide to cover, but there are also other options as well. You know, you can choose to have a savings account that you set aside that's just solely for your pet. You can also, there are also some vets out there that will do a payment program. There's some uh, nonprofit organizations too that will assist. But then again, there's a waiting list on that. So whether or not they're going to be able to help you in time is questionable. So there are a few different options out there probably being able to do pet health insurance combined with a a savings account
0: could probably be the most beneficial. I think so too. I've thought about that in the past and I didn't have insurance when I had my dog. And really my husband is much more a numbers person than I am, but he pointed out, you know, if we just committed to putting money into a savings account every month, whatever that cost might be for your pet, $13, $30, you know, whatever they charge and then let that accrue over time because odds are, like you say, it's kind of the exceptional situation. My dog ate the garbage. And we had a situation arise from that. Dogs get out of their yard and run into the street or cats have a run in with another pet. So you just never know. And as in anything in life, it's always best to be prepared so that when you're in the thick of that situation, which is just heartbreaking, you don't have to make even more difficult choices because of that situation. So that's a really great point. Thanks for bringing that up that you can take a look and really weigh the different options, just like our health insurance. So of course, that makes sense. But Perhaps you can look at reviews or do some research online and see other people's experience in working with that insurance company before you decide that's the policy you're Mm going to commit to. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Are there any other areas in which, as we're talking about, you know, it's not always easy street to have an animal, you know, things come up, life situations change. Are there any other situations where you see that sometimes having a pet might not be all rewarding all the time sometimes stress comes up and how can we try to pay attention to those
1: yeah well some of the things that pets can do that can potentially add stress for people is a lot of the time it's um revolving around their behaviors. So, you know, they could be barking a lot. They could be doing some damage to the home. They could be shedding an extreme amount. They could be scooting on the rugs. You know, the, the need for for dogs to be walked twice daily, because ideally they should be walked twice at least, or pulling on the leash. So these are some of the things that people can find very frustrating and, and struggle to deal with. So I think it's important for people to understand that animals are not doing this to just be bad. It's a communication, in a sense, from them. Obviously, they can't communicate in the same way that we can. It's trying to develop an understanding of what they're trying to communicate to us so that we can take the actions that are going to help them to have the behaviors that we would prefer them to have. So... You know, one of the things that um, could be uh, causing issues is they could be getting bored. You know, a lot of people work long hours. And if an animal is by itself, especially, they you know, could be left alone for 10, 12 hours, depending on how long somebody has to be gone, if they're commuting or have long shifts or whatever. And if there's nobody else at home, they've got no interaction. It's kind of hard to entertain yourself by tossing a toy over and over and over again. So along with that too, is that they can also develop anxiety from that same sort of situation. So those kind of emotions can lead to things like barking and damage to the home, particularly. And so it's it's trying to get to the core of the issue. Instead of like just trying to punish them and finding alternative ways of dealing with it. So maybe if you do have to work long hours and you have nobody at home, you can maybe look to have a dog walker come in once or twice a day to give them some attention and some exercise and whatnot. Or even just a a pet sitter to come in and play with them for a little while. So that would be one thing that could be done. There's also enrichment type things that you can bring into the home. You can have, for example, a Kong that you can put some frozen peanut butter in. But you have to be careful with that too, because some dogs are destroyers. And uh, no matter what you give them, they'll just completely destroy it. And then they could potentially swallow pieces, which could end up in an expensive vet bill or worse. (laughs) So, so you have to kind of be aware of what your pet's personality is like, and whether they're safe to be alone with those types of things. There's also, you can give them like interactive feeders or food puzzles that maybe they can only be accessed at a certain time or something, or they have to figure out how to be able to get to the food. So those are things you can do too. But those are kind of limited because those would only, wouldn't really be effective if that was the only thing you were doing over a 12 hour span or something. So. And with the shedding, grooming is really important because that will really help them with the shedding. Keeps um, their hair under control, their undercoat and everything else under control so that they're not going to shed as much. And you can either take them to a professional groomer or you can take care of it yourself depending on what their coat is like. So that has kind of a dual purpose because that helps to reduce the shedding, but it also helps them to feel better. So, you know, like ourselves, when we feel better we behave differently. So it can be a bonding experience by brushing them. And bathing is kind of a probably better to be done by a professionals because the, what they use, it's, it's better for their skin than if we do it on our own. And then it, there's also the communication and the proper training. So they do have body language. And so learning to understand um, what they could be telling us with their, their body language so that we can respond in an appropriate way to deal with it. And you can talk to uh, a trainer or a behaviorist and that that can help you with dealing with certain specific situations. So proper training is really, really important because pets, well, dogs particularly like to please. And although some people think cats can't be trained, they can be trained. It's easier to start doing it when they're younger, but <laughs> but it's it's if it's reward based, it's like you just have to find the right reward that is going to be the the right fit for them. And they can be trained to do tricks in that too. So which is in enrichment activity for both dogs and cats. Um, the training activities. So uh, there are some aspects about training that can be tricky as well because there's two, there's a couple of different types of training. There's um, a training that's come out now is called force-free training. And what that's based on is reward-based training instead of punishment. It tends, it's, it's more science-based and it tends to get better results because pets are more likely to want to do what you want to do because they're gonna get rewarded for it rather than they're doing it out of fear. So when you have a behavior that you're not wanting them to do, you find the behavior that you want them to do. ever they start doing that behavior, you reward them rather than punishing them when they're doing the other behavior that you don't want. So there's a lot of detail in that. But another critical thing too is that if you have multiple people in the home and you're trying to train a certain behavior, everybody has to be on board. If you have one person who is trying to train the dog to not jump up on you or the cat to not jump up on the counter or something like that. And other members of the household allow the dog to jump up on them or don't do anything when the cat goes on the the counter and that. This gives conflicting messages and the animal doesn't know what which is the right thing to do. And that can cause a lot of stress for them not knowing which behavior is appropriate but it causes stress for the humans because they can't get their pets to do what they want them to do so my my advice for that is that when you want to train a certain behavior get everybody in the household together have a meeting talk about it and say well i want to train this behavior and this is why and get an agreement on it and clarify that we all need to make sure that we are correcting this behavior or rewarding the behavior that we want in order to be able to get where we want to be. And both pet and humans are going to be a lot happier and um, a lot less stressed.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an important part and people don't really recognize. You know, our pets are animals. They have a different way of thinking, of responding to stimulus. You know, the reactions are completely different. They have a different drive. They have a different body language. I was surprised when I found out that dogs tend to think of people smiling as a threat because we're baring our teeth. And it's right. just so, so, so illogical. And at the same time, dogs are very smart. They learn our behaviors. I mean, I've certainly seen dogs that smile back, but it's a learned behavior. It's not natural to them. And so it's so important to recognize when, especially if you're approaching an animal that you're not familiar with, that they have a different way of being. They're not humans on four legs. Right. And and at the same time, like they need that kind of, I mean, if they're a pack animal, that pack mentality, you know, if you are setting the structure, if you're going to be the alpha in the relationship and not your pet, then that has to be established. You can't try to take that back after you've let them rule the roost for a bit and train everybody, you know. Just like you're saying, like that the dog that jumps, you know, the kids think it's cute and they encourage it, but the adults realize it's a danger to people who are visiting the house and they're trying to d- discourage it. And then you just go round and round and the dog doesn't understand why half the time they're getting yelled at and the other half the time it's, oh, more mm-hmm. treats because you're funny. <laughs> yeah. And the jumping up uh, issue too is that usually it doesn't
1: start getting trained until later because when they're young and they're just a small little puppy, they're everybody is kind of like oh it's cute or whatever or even like you know nibbling on their finger you know because they're not doing it very hard and they're like oh that's okay you know it's cute they're not causing any harm in that and then they get older and their jaws get more powerful or they can potentially knock somebody over or damage clothing or something like that because they're they're jumping and so it could be you know not until they get to be a year old or something before people are like, oh, we need to stop this. And then it gets to be harder to train because they've been allowed to do it for the first year of their life. So recognizing that this is a potential issue and thinking ahead of time, well, what behaviors do we not want to have? And working on training those um, wanted or unwanted behaviors right from the
0: get-go. That's a really important point. Yeah, I agree completely. You just have to have some foresight, right? What is this new person that you're bringing? In? No person? See, there I go, personifying again. But what is this new <laughs> member of the family? You know, how do you want them to be a part of it? So just like you're yeah. saying, that little five pound puppy is cute, but that, 35, 50-pound dog, that's a different story. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> Very different thing. And I'm pretty sure there's a pretty well-known, you know, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Like, let's just make life easier and teach them the right tricks the first time around. <laughs> you can teach them, but it's going to take a lo- lot longer. I just wanted to add um,
1: one additional thing that will, I feel, help people. Yes. Um, and that's if they were wanting to work with um, an animal trainer or a behaviorist. So there's three questions that um, they can ask these trainers that will help them to um, determine whether it's the right fit or not. And the questions are, what will happen to my dog if he or she gets it right? What will happen to my dog if he or she gets it wrong? And are there less invasive, aversive alternatives to what you propose if you don't like what their answers
0: are. That's terrific. That's so important. Just like everything else we talked about, like just getting as much information as you can on the front end, not getting yourself into a situation where this person that you trusted, you know, with the behavior of your pet is now maybe ingraining a harmful situation, a bad response or that sort of thing. I love this concept of force-free training. That's I'm definitely gonna be looking into that myself as well. I'm an old obedience training girl. So I'm really excited (laughs) about the potential of that because again, you know, we can't over-humanize our animals. We need to be good stewards of them. We can have a tremendous relationship with them, but we really are their caretakers. And so it's up to us to do that due diligence. So that's awesome. Thanks for those questions. I think that's gonna be really helpful for people just being able to size up the method and responsibility of trainers that they might be working with because work with a trainer, (laughs) it's so important. Everybody's happier, the pet is keeping you happy, you're less stressed by their good behavior and and everything is so much easier.
1: Mm -hmm. And just remember that a trainer and a behaviorist
0: are not the same thing, but a person can have both designations. Awesome, very good to know. Yeah, if you're having behavioral issues with your pet, that insight can be invaluable and a trainer certainly is not really always as in tune with those nuances as a behaviorist. So another mm-hmm. powerful tool. So, and we kind of dove into the middle of the conversation. So obviously, as we've been talking about, there's a lot of responsibility that goes into having pets. And like I said, at the beginning of the conversation, I've grown up with them, I'm a farm girl. So I have a little bit more practical kind of mindset to pet ownership than some people now that I live in the city, but I've always valued having them around and they they just bring me so much happiness, you know, and it's such a wonderful part of, of a home, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, what are some of the other benefits that you see to people in having pets?
1: Well, there's, there's a few physical, mental and emotional benefits that they can have. And the ones that I wanted to focus on was, well, the first one is, it's having a dog is beneficial for your movement, because you need to go and take them out for a walk. So that's getting you up off the couch or whatever, and actually getting you outside and moving doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing um, an athletic walk or something like that. And I'm just gonna add a side note to that, that when you're walking a dog, it's for them to, to, to sniff and, you know, check out their environment and stuff like that. So it's not to, you know, walk as fast as you can and not let them stop and check out, um, smell the roses, so to speak. And, you know, because I don't know if you've heard this saying, but with them sniffing, it's kind of equivalent to us reading the newspaper. It tells them what's going on in their world. So it's just an extra stimulation, uh, enrichment activity for them. But going back to the, the movement activity, you know, especially if you're an older adult, you know, sometimes our joints and our body can stiffen up and we can have more difficulty with moving and stuff like that. And, you know, you hear of adults who aren't really playing with their children or the grandchildren because they're in pain or they have difficulty, you know, crouching down and then standing up and that type of thing. So this can allow adults to have more activity and then and playtime with their children. So that will help with the bonding between the parents and the children as well. But it can also benefit elderly people too, because elderly people especially tend to have a lot of body issues or can and it can be a real struggle for them to do their day-to-day activities. So having a dog especially um, can help them with their independence and help them to be able to manage on their own for a longer period of time as opposed to potentially having to go to assisted living or something like that. And then along with that too, both cats and dogs, it can help with depression and anxiety. So people with depression can sometimes want to hide in bed and they They don't want to face the day. They just want to curl up and having another living being to be responsible for that actually gets them out of bed. And it's like, oh, well, I have to get up and I have to give them some food or I have to take them for a walk or I have to change their litter box or whatever the case may be. And having that responsibility can help to shift what's going on in the mind and can lessen those feelings of depression. And then with anxiety, animals just have a tendency to have a calming nature about them. So we we tend to love to pet animals particularly the furry ones <laughs> and um That's a benefit for both the pets and the humans, because it's been known that um, petting can lower your blood pressure and your cholesterol as well. It also affects your hormones, so it can um, lower your cortisol level, which reduces stress, because a lot of us live with overactive adrenals, because we we have so much stress in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so we've got this adrenaline that's constantly pumping through our system. You know, our body can only handle that for so long. Um, and I can speak on experience for that because I have adrenal fatigue so (laughs) and so being able to lower your cortisol level um, helps to reduce that pumping of the adrenaline that's coming through but it also increases um, dopamine which is that feel-good feeling so you can you get increased feelings of pleasure. And dopamine also actually plays a part in humans being able to think and plan better. And there was actually a study that was done where people were in a room and they were given a math test to do. And they had one room that didn't have pets in it and the other one did have their own pets. And the ones that had their pets in it were able to solve the equation much more easily because they didn't get stressed as easily over it. They were able to focus and concentrate on it. And then there was oxytocin was another hormone as well, because think about oxytocin as being the hormone that is, it's been called the hormone of love. And it's connected with trust, love, nurturing, and bonding. So there's those aspects of it. And cats, particularly too, when they purr, like a lot of people find purring to be very soothing. And so this can have a healing effect on people. And the last one I'm going to mention is that it can help people with loneliness quite a bit, and also with dealing with their emotions, because people can really struggle with with how to deal with their emotions, and maybe don't know how to, to deal with them appropriately. And so they can either explode on other people, Or they can just shove it down and not deal with it at all. And having a pet gives people another living being to talk to. And there's a benefit to that as opposed to another person because the pet's just going to listen. It's not going to question. It's not going to judge. It's not going to invalidate your feelings. It's just going to accept and listen and just let you talk it out. And this is a really great way for people to process how they're
0: feeling. Yeah, and I think that's such a powerful list. And just like you're saying, that relationship with another being that is is non-judgmental, that accepts you completely just the way that you are, you know, if you have to go to work and feel you have to fit into a certain role there, or you have issues with family dynamics, and there can be some difficulty there, but with pets, you just get to be you they're so happy to see you. The welcome is like nothing else. It just makes you feel like your whole day it fades away and you're just home and enjoyed and appreciated just as you are. So it's just such a powerful mm-hmm. connection. And I think that's such a gift to the people who are, are willing to take on the responsibility, you know, recognizing that there's there's work to be done, but the reward far exceeds oh. it in, in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. very definitely. You know, I think, There's a lot of people with pets who they just thrive so much more as human beings, as long as they are willing to take on that responsibility, you know, ahead of time that yes, okay, I'm willing to take this on, then there's not going to be that resentment or that
0: stress. And both you and your pet are going to thrive immensely. Yeah, And that's the beauty. (laughs) Everybody's thriving. Everybody's happy. Everybody has a purpose it's a beautiful thing. So Mm -hmm. let us know what can we be looking for moving forward. You've got your podcast coming out and I'm really interested in the way that you support pet owners to help them have less stress by recognizing the resources and tools, the best, you know, way to move forward so that they can have the optimal relationship with their animal. Um, So give us a little bit of an idea of what you have in store. Um, Well, yes. So
1: there is a podcast that's coming out, and it's basically going to be focused on the science and spirituality of pet care. So it's going to be merging the two. So not just the practical side of it, but really understanding the animals themselves. And we're going to be having interviews with various pet experts. So it's going to be a lot of value from these other experts that are going to to come on in various different ways. So uh, there's so many new ideas that are going to be presented, I think, that people aren't aware of. And I'm also currently partnering on a course with someone who helps people to understand what the legal documents are and how to prepare in that for their lives, um, what is important to get completed and set up ahead of time. And so I'm adding a bonus module that is going to be, be the legal aspects of pet care, which I think a lot of people aren't aware of. Like, for example, what happens to your pet is if you suddenly die or end up in the hospital, for a few weeks or are no longer physically or mentally capable of taking care of the pet, you know, what happens to them and what are your options? So that will be dealing with that kind of thing as well as other aspects. Uh, I'm also working on our membership site, which is set up as a course. That's still in the works, but that's going to be taking people through a lot of aspects of pet safety, which is my main focus. Um, Although I do talk about a lot of aspects of pet care, but the safety is my main focus. So really helping people to understand how they might be putting their pets in danger and what they can do to minimize those risks so that they can have, be with their pets and enjoy their life with their pets for as long as possible.
0: I love that. I really love that you're bringing the whole foresight and preparation aspect that I think is so easy for people to overlook. So that planning, so that if you have it in place, Murphy's Law means you won't need it. <laughs> you won't find yourself in that situation where you wish you had had plans in place if you need somebody to step in and take care of your pet. And two, just as you mentioned earlier in our conversation about pet proofing your home, safety is so important. And if you just know how to prepare and have the best things in place, then it's just a huge load off. You don't have to worry about, you know, some of those emergency situations like we were talking about. So tremendous mm-hmm. peace of mind. And then you can just be enjoy your relationship with your animal, mm-hmm. getting all the, the positive neurotransmitters, the happy hormones, the great feelings, the affection and all of that that comes along that that's what we think about snuggling our pets. <laughs> <laughs> terrific thank you so much, Miranda. I'm so glad uh, we were able to have this conversation. In terms of my perspective in helping people have less stress, I think that it's a really broad approach. And so any way that you can look and recognize that you can be bringing down areas of concern so that life can just be in flow and as easy as we can set it up to be, I think that's a powerful tool. So I'm going to have all of Miranda's information in the show notes. And as more resources become available as the podcast is published and all of that exciting new developments come together I'll have those links as well so people can catch up with you and stay up to date and have a happy stress-free time with their pets sounds great thank you awesome thank you so much I appreciate your time today until the next time have a great day thanks you too thank you for tuning in today check out the show notes for any links we mentioned To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit HappifiedLife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.